crickets and the rust beetles scuttled among the nettles of the sage thicket. Vamanos, amigos, he whispered and threw the busted leather flint craw over the loose weave of the saddlecock, and they rode on in the friscalating dusklight. Eli was an assistant professor of English literature at Brooks College. The recent publication of his second novel had earned him a sudden, unexpected literary celebrity. Well, everyone knows Custer died at Little Bighorn. What this book presupposes is, maybe he didn't? Let me ask you something. Why would a review make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? I don't you? You didn't even have to think about it, did you? Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Substandard, sponsored by The Black Tux. I'm Victor Mattis, along with Sonny Bunch and Jonathan V. Last. I'd like to remind you The Substandard is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just like on our podcasts and search for Substandard. You'll easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave a review. Gentlemen, how are we today, Thursday? JVL. I am... Okay. Uh... So I don't, I don't often succeed at parenting. What? All that okay. much? But I had a win of epic proportions this week. Oh, let's hear it. Would you like to hear it? Please, Can I tell a story? Please, please. Story time. So uh, my oldest kid turned ten, and four days before that, my second oldest turned eight, mm-hmm. and they are both baseball crazy. Uh, and so we got them as their big birthday present. Season tickets wow. to the minor league ballpark. Ooh. Hey, the Potomac Nationals. The Potomac, the mighty Potomac Nationals. Terrific. Which is the most fun I ever have. I mean, I don't know why anybody goes to major league baseball, to be honest. Um, so, uh, so Monday night, which was my my oldest kid's actual birthday, he the the Nationals were home, the Potomac Nationals, and he wanted to go see them. And uh, we sat through the Saturday game when it was 35 degrees, uh, all nine innings. Dedication. Four hours from first pitch to the final out. It, do you know why it was so long? Because the pitchers literally couldn't grip the ball. They were like 15 so walks it's so because cold. they just couldn't. Yeah, no feeling <laughs> in their fingers. So uh, so he says, you know, Dad, we got to go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go. And I was like, you sure you don't want to stay home and watch the two towers? It's 40 degrees out. And he's like, no, no, we got to go to my baseball. My Michael would watch the two towers in a heartbeat. So, uh, so we went. It was 40 degrees as opposed to 35, a balmy 40. And in the third inning, it started raining. Ooh, so lovely. we had a gentle sleet-like rain mm-hmm. from the third inning all the way through the end of the game. Did you bring a poncho? Because usually you see... <laughs> It wasn't Ponchos. that heavy. It was okay. more like mist and sleet than right. you know, light light mm-hmm. sleet mm-hmm. than than mm-hmm. rain. So we're sitting there, and this is a Monday night game at forty degrees. It was already a very sparse crowd. Uh, we have fantastic seats. We're in the front row, field box by first base. So wow. essentially, as close as you can get. We're about twenty feet away from from first base. So you can hear like the first base coach talking to the first baseman and the players chit chatting with Do each other. Do you have assigned seats at the at the? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so no, it's these are like, actual seats. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not like a bench, you know. No, 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 no. These are actual seats. And uh, by the eighth inning, we did a quick count, and there were 16 people in the stands. 16. So there were more baseball players than there were. Many more. <laughs> Many more baseball players than there were people there. Go ahead. Question. Do you fear when you're sitting there, particularly in your seats, um, a foul ball, a line drive well, going straight fear at it you? Because I'm not an old lady. Oh, I but, would fear it. Uh, but you keep your head on a swivel. Keep your head on a swivel. And in fact, I would never let Cody sit in these seats. It was a big deal when we moved yes. back from like sure. up behind sure. the protective sure. netting sure. down sure. to these seats. Sure. And I waited until he was capable enough to handle himself. So he sits there with a glove and he Just in case. is skilled enough. Glove? Of course. Of course I take a glove. What are you talking about? This is, there's, some, there's some debate in the baseball fan community about the uh, more the aesthetics than anything else of a grown man taking a glove to a baseball game. In these seats, you're crazy not to have a glove because balls come screaming at you all the time. So in about the fifth inning, Cody gets a foul ball because, of course, he does. We get foul balls every single time. So he says to me, Dad, this is my 22nd foul ball. (laughs) 
mine. That's great. What are you going to do with it? I, I'm going to put it in the chest with all the others. He's just like hoarding he's them. He's got a like big Gollum. box of balls. Yeah, That's big great. box of balls that he's gotten from the Carolina. Anyway, in the eighth inning, uh, after the first out in the top of the eighth, the Peanuts first baseman, Ian Sagdahl, turns over and looks at Cody and he says, Hey, stick around and come over to the dugout after the game. Oh, <laughs> my god, man. So Does not get better. We we stayed through the end of the game, and the Peanuts win 9-5, to five and the, the, the minute the game's over, both teams go running for their dugouts because it's really cold yeah. and kind of miserable. And as we are making our way over towards the dugout, Ian Sagdahl comes out with one of his bats and hands it to Cody. Oh, come on! And says... Hey, thanks so much for sticking through the whole game. You are a real trooper. Look at that. What Look about at what, that. was your daughter there too? Uh, she did not come because uh, the price this was she a paid this was a too out. cold yeah. thing. She would have been my my, yeah. my daughter is not a hearty soul. She and would yet, not have been into and this. yet, when you came home and when your son came home with the bat, what was her reaction? She was like, dead asleep. It was eleven o'clock on a Monday night. Mm. Yeah, but I would say, and you know, there was no like, hey, because it's your birthday. He had no idea. Yeah, and. Cody was just for being a good fan. Over the he could not, but like he was like, I felt this is his, but there's pine tar on it. It was it blew his mind. I thought to myself, well, I nice. just gave my kid a birthday that he will never forget. That's okay. nice. That's, it. that's great. Get better as day. How are good you for you? How was your weekend, Sonny? I shined my shoes. Yay! Oh. Tell us uh, how was that experience like? Was Let it zen like? I'm was getting it? yeah, I'm getting better at it. I, the first the first uh, I, I shined two pairs of shoes. Uh, the first time, and it was like a solid like hour and a half ordeal because I was like trying to figure out how to like do all the you things right. You had too right. much time on your hands. I was doing all the things. Well, I mean, so it's, to speak. I, well, it was it was. I it's funny. I do this while I watch The Walking Dead. I just let The Walking mm-hmm. Dead build up, and then I can like kind of zone out of the TV show and focus on the shoes, but also mm-hmm. keep up. Uh, but it would. But this time, much much quicker. Like about 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 sixty minutes. <laughs> and uh, we're we're getting we're getting we're getting it down. We're getting Spit it down. Spit shine sunny. I uh, uh but I uh, it, more seriously uh I, I watched Frozen again this weekend because that's the cycle of my uh, life that we're welcome. in. only once. Well, welcome. It's just we have just a very strict rule. Only one movie uh, per, per weekend. Per weekend. So per weekend. Per weekend. So just one movie. Does Katie know that you are on Rotten Tomatoes as a film <laughs> critic? Well, she's she is going to learn that one day. I because don't think she's it seems aware to yet. me a little rich for the Rotten Tomatoes certified film critic to tell his daughter. Well, I underst- only one movie. I understand how much weekend. trash there is out there. I know. I know. I need to keep her safe from Protect her the critical world. Faculties. Uh, but we watch we watch Frozen again this weekend, and it's it occurred to me while we were watching it that uh, Elsa is basically just Doctor Manhattan, right? Abusive parents. No. Ha- throws an emotional fit that uh, and runs away from everyone. Builds a giant glass castle out in the wilderness. Uh, brings things to life. And uh, it's, it's a little wow. bit happier at the end. It's a little bit happier at the end. But like... Solitude. She's basically the same. She's basically the same. Same, no, same. No, I, I disagree because... Uh, Dr. Manhattan is unique. He's the only powered person. And in the frozen world, everybody's got powers. The trolls have powers. The, there's no the, other There's no other ice queen. There's no ice queen. But I would say this is an imperfect analogy. Mm-hmm. There is a The world of Frozen is a world of magic where mm-hmm. magic is just sort of assumed to be part but no, of. But magic, is magic really just assumed? I think people are pretty freaked out when they see her. And like the, the king scared. has to like hide her away. Well, he has to hide her away. But on the other hand, he says like, oh, this if is magic. If, and it's the just, troll, if it's just the a world like, of magic. Well, which kind of magic but is if it's, it? But if it's just a world of magic, then why couldn't she just You've be like the magic snowman. queen? You've got creatures she, who were- No, I mean, she brings, which happens. again, she brings to life like Dr. Manhattan, who's like, I'm tired of these people. I want to go build magic snowmen on Mars. Sorcery! Uh, yeah. I think that's I what find the guy it, says, right? The, the other yeah, I, I find sorcery. it an imperfect analogy. But she is, she's a mutant, clearly. This is, she's I mean, I, the, the, somebody like she's Honest the, Trailers did she, a very She's funny, the early version of Emma Frost. R- <laughs> or I no, guess. Bobby Drake. Bobby Drake. Bobby yeah. Drake. No, but the real question is like, wh- why won't they just send her to Professor Xavier's school mm-hmm. for gifted children? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is where mm-hmm. where Elsa truly belongs. My favorite character in that movie is the Minnesota nice store clerk. By the way, oh yes, the one who, uh, the one who Olaf. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. He runs the sporting goods. Who, who has the, 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 the store? Yeah. The store. Who, no, what's yeah. his last name? Sven is the the. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. I, I can't don't, remember. I don't know. He, I'll I'll remember after the seven yeah. hundredth time well, I see this. He movie. very much reminds the one me of like, my brother-in-law uh, up in Jersey, right? Who, who, Dutch brother-in-law. Who the ice? Who the ice salesman accuses of being a crook because he believes in? Yeah. Who he? Because he believes in, in in supply and demand. Yes. And he's like, what did you say? 
any so you were not though, right? uh, not great. a little bit off put by the subtle gay marriage stuff. There's a family in there. It was a family. This family. This was. This is the type of real. I mean, I'm, I'm half serious. But this is the type of proselytization that is done specifically so they can have plausible deniability. They don't want to actually say. But you look at the composition of the family. The there is another man who is his junior a little bit, uh, but but not by much. Clearly too old to be a kid, and there's ridiculous. no wife. This is ridiculous. No, but this is the this is the clear intent of it. Uh, I feel oh, like they would have made a like, big deal um, out of this, like they made out of like the fake yeah, gay character in, in Beauty and the Beast. I was going to say in Finding Dory. This is pre. This is the, pre. Beauty remember the, and the Beast. Remember in Finding it. Dory, the lesbian couple, right? There was supposed to be two women with a baby, and there's a oh yeah, in like the background, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, with the octopus scene. And it's like, Getting very close to pop. Okay, yes. Uh, right, so Vic, how was your weekend? My my oh, my weekend was good. I took my kids to a Chinese restaurant. That's what I did. Ooh, buffet? A buffet? No. You know that buffet at Hunan Gate? I should have taken them to, taken them to the one. Should have taken them. Took them. I should have. I'm just an editor. I took them to the one on Bailey's. That's where you went. Yes. Right? No. We went to the one in Boston, and the buffet is only available at lunch. But Kate's not a fan of Chinese food. Uh, she likes you know Vietnamese, and she likes Thai and Indian, but she doesn't like Chinese food. That's very interesting. It is uh, this weird allegation that it's green and unhealthy. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, so, But she was going out to get together with old college housemates uh, for dinner. So I said, I'll watch the kids. And come on, let's do a proper Chinese restaurant the way... I mean, she grew up in Connecticut. Her parents did not go to Chinese restaurants. Um, and I knew this because when we started dating, we went to one. And we go to the restaurant, and she opens the menu and just got overwhelmed. Like, she didn't know what to do. Like, where do you begin? And I'm like, it's very easy. You pick one vegetable, you pick a beef, you pick a this, you pick a that, you're done. You know, you just go to the buffet where it's all there. Or the you go to the buffet. And you just they have you, put, you they, get it and you put it on more, your plate. We need more of that. So I said, these kids need to learn. We had little bits of jasmine tea. We got uh, the roast pork spare ribs, fried rice, which is just a basic staple, and sweet and sour chicken. Very easy, simple. They loved it. And of course, their favorite part was the fortune cookies. So uh, that that is do what your I kids did. eat the cookies themselves? Oh yes. Or do they just no, no. crack they, them to get the fortunes? They they do the whole thing. They do did the you whole teach thing. them the in bed thing from Wayne's World? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I forgot. No, no, I didn't do that one. Not, not yet. Uh, and so that was that. But uh, uh, that was the weekend, and I'm feeling a little bit hungover today, whenever day this is, because- um, Thursday. It's Thursday. Thursday. <clears throat> Two nights ago. Two nights uh, ago. That's uh, <laughs> a long hangover. Uh, I was at District Distilling uh, with my good friend, restaurant publicist, Heather Freeman, who invited me to dinner there. It is the only distillery restaurant in the district. Where is this? What? This is 14 and you. Okay. Yeah. You got to check it out. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. They're not actually just bottling there and there's a pot still. They have column stills there. They're actually fermenting there. So I came home smelling like mash and you know and yeast and things. So they're really making their own vodka and gin there and rum there. And they also do whiskey as well. Um, and I did, uh, they made me sample like eight different spirits. <laughs> um, and uh, the food was actually lovely. So anyway, that's what I did. It was a lot of fun. So thank you. And a uh, special thank you to Owen Connors, originally from Waterford, Ireland. Uh, who oh, is, is this another commercial? No. This no, is your no, soft no, reads? No, but it is kind of, sort of. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, Owen is the district distilling president. I just want to thank him for his hospitality. It is, it is, it is pretty, it is pretty uh, clear that the, the <laughs> flax have picked out the one person who is willing to do anything for free food. Or have drink. You, I, I don't know if you know this. Or, I stand at How the, do you have time I, to do these things? I stand, well, we only have two kids. And I, I, I stand at the corner of Wilson Northland with a sign said, Will, well, we'll free plugs for food. For food. Yeah. I do. And spirits. Anyway, it was a lovely dinner. We sat at a corner table for, you know, a little quiet place for conversation. Speaking of a quiet place. <laughs> the best in the business. A Quiet Place took the top spot at the box office with $50 million, followed by Ready Player One uh, with $25 million, which was kind of a 50% drop, and Blockers in third place with $21 million. Box office questions. Question number one. How do we explain a quiet place? Is it a horror genre thing like Annabelle? Everyone loves horror. Or is it a really good an original movie and people are, are yearning for that Sonny you reviewed A Quiet Place for the Beacon yeah. uh, well, it's both I mean every year we've talked about this before on the show every year there's a there's a small uh, budget horror film that that comes out of nowhere and, and mm-hmm. blows up at the box mm-hmm. office last year we had three or four get out I mean, there right? was, last year was 
in in the in the first couple months of the year, you had Get Out and Split, both of which oh, grossed right. about one hundred seventy, hundred eighty million dollars domestic, something like that. Um, and then later in the year, you had It, which grossed. I it's oh, right, like the course. third highest R rated. Uh, third highest grossing R-rated Same. film of all time or something. You know, but that's another movie that, that, that movie's, a, it was a little bit different because it is based on a pre-existing property. It, it, um, and it, it is, a, a, so it's, it's slightly different, but it's very much in that vein of R-rated cheap. It was a $30 million movie, $40 million movie, something that made, like that, that made a giant, enormous amount of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as JBL hinted on the mini episode that we recorded yesterday. I can't even remember that. <laughs> We I. we uh, we we are we are entering a world in which the only real sure thing propositions are uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, Star Wars movies, I guess, and five to twenty million dollar horror films. I mean, and the first two the first two because they make tons of money no matter what. Um, and the second one because they even if they flop, you don't lose that much money, but they don't usually flop. They usually at least break even, and sometimes you get a giant enormous hit. Um, I mean, the return on investment on it is uh, just enormous. I can't even, I can't even fathom it. Um, but but you know, this is a, this is a, so a quiet place itself is it's good. I like it a lot, um, and it's clever, and it's it's uh, it had a really great uh, series of trailers that kind of like got at the mm-hmm. kind of high concept kind of, nature of does it. Does it take place in the future or now? It takes place basically now, like in the okay. in the near in the very near future, but essentially. You know the the what has happened is aliens have come to Earth and oh. they are they hunt people by sound and if oh. you talk you die and like so it's all about like you have to be really really, really quiet and this it's the family is very quiet but uh, not 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 physical sound but voice sound vocal well all sounds I mean oh. they just any sounds it oh draws the oh. question terrible yes this is one of those stories where no backstory is given about the aliens right right no backstory do you guys find that frustrating no in not in this specific. I mean, as a general matter, whenever you have vaguely post-apocalyptic type things like The Road, where you don't actually know what happened, whenever I am watching a movie like that, I am always intensely interested. Well, how do we get here? Right. Mm-hmm. right. That's what I care about more than anything and else. Do you I care feel about the to distract. Do you feel deprived in a way? Like I, w- I wish they yes, told me. because I am more interested yeah. in that story almost in almost. Same. I'm sure maybe in this case I would Same. not be than I am in the story being told. And mm-hmm. I feel like I can't mm-hmm. fully appreciate mm-hmm. the story being told mm-hmm. until I know how right. we got here. Because I just right. have, I have so many questions. Is, is this like is I this, want world building? You I want guess yes. Give me the backstory. Is this John Krasinski's first commercial, real commercial success as a movie? Uh, he's done a bunch of movies as now. an actor yeah probably yeah. as an actor and as a director this is his third movie this is the third Michael movie that he's directed 13 hours right the he was in 13 yeah hours. 13 hours 13 hours was did not do well mm-hmm. at the box office oh. you look at the numbers it uh, it did not do particularly well I thought it was an okay flick I, it's good mm-hmm. I think it's actually mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. uh, I'm also a sucker for Michael Bay so I'm biased the auteur uh, of awesome the auteur of awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 to answer your question, JBL, I here's here is what I dislike more than that is gobs and gobs of exposition about they came here and now they're gonna. I don't need all that. I just, I, it's the world. This is the world in which we've been dropped, and this is, I think, a more successful way of making a movie in this day and age. Where look, this is a very brief, very brisk ninety-five minutes. Um, I don't need. I don't. I don't need. I don't really like big two and a half hour movies anymore. I don't. That's mm-hmm. not what I. If I want to watch a longer story, I'll watch TV. Uh, and it's. It's. I love seeing that something that says hour forty. Ooh, I'm gonna yeah, see that. Hundred minutes. That's great. Perfect. Plus, now they can do a prequel, a quiet beginning. Yes. Where they tell how the monsters exactly. came to Earth in the first place. And it turns out it's a Cloverfield movie. <laughs> It's okay. part of the Cloverfield. A quiet Cloverfield. Expanded. It's part of the Cloverfield expanded universe. Well, Isn't so there this a Cloverfield was, universe? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically. like so there was actually a story about this about how the guys who they got they wrote this script. The the original screenwriters wrote the script and they were shopping it around and uh like Bad Robot was interested in making it a Cloverfield movie for a while and the guys were like, "Eh, they decided not to do it." But like I really do think there is something to be said for the like reductio ad absurdum that is the Cloverfield model. Of filmmaking, where you take a script, and you're like, "Well, this could maybe have monsters in it," and you, then you slap Cloverfield on it, you put make it part of this expanded universe, and now like, "Oh, look, brand awareness! This is Cloverfield, Cloverfield movie." <laughs> 
I kind of like it just for the way it taunts like Universal in the dark. You know, where you're like, yeah, <laughs> you think it's so easy to build an expanded universe? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. your Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe project. That was terrible. Oh man! Okay. Remember the mummy? Yeah. Remember, the, remember the remember, attempted universe. Remember they, Chat- and they remember. actually started with dark universe. Oh, yeah. I mean, they say oh, yeah. it is an explicit. Mm-hmm. Here's a new yeah. extended yeah. universe we're making for you. Can't wait for that, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Like Remo Williams, up. the beginning. Remember uh, Remo Williams. Very good. Remember very Chav, good. Chav King Arthur. <laughs> God, who is so who is Remo Williams? Is that Fred Ward? Was Fred Ward Remo? No, Not to be confused I, he's, with Buckaroo Banzai. who's like a, yeah. a dime store Remo? Charles Bronson. Oh, I'll go. I am, I'll effort that okay. when you guys talk. Uh, here's another question for you, Sonny. Question. Blockers. Is this John Cena's kindergarten cop moment? No. <laughs> well, no, because he's always been better oh, as a comedian. I mean, he's like, uh, he was in the Amy Schumer movie. Um and oh, that's right. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's he's, he's like good. he has like a he yeah. has like a comic sensibility. That he strikes been, me as very good. Um, at this sort of thing. I refuse to see that movie on general principle because it's because of the dumb name and like the weird like games that they're trying to play with it. Like it's supposed to be cock blockers, mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. you can't call a movie cock blockers. <laughs> Why not? Because I don't f- prudes in this country, man. Prudes. Do you like Ike Barinholtz? I do like Ike Barinholtz. Yeah. He's I, actually my favorite thing yeah. in Suicide Squad. Oh, he I has didn't... like a, he has like a bit part in Suicide Squad. He's uh, very good. Uh, he's, he's very good at neighbor, that neighbors in movie. The, in the neighbors movies. Yes. So JVL, you were saying, uh, Fred Ward. You're right. It's Fred oh, Ward. Okay. Yep. Okay. Remo Williams. The adventure begins. And last question. And ends. Last question. Ready Player One is uh, is it in good shape or in bad shape? Uh, it dropped about forty percent in the okay. second weekend. You said fifty percent. It was 50, closer to forty percent. Okay. All right. Um, and that's good shape. Right? That's good shape. I mean, it's it's it it look it's good shape. Uh, compared to the previous weekend, but I mean, look, I this movie is going to gross about two hundred million dollars domestic. It'll probably gross four hundred million dollars overseas. Jeez. If it makes about six hundred million dollars, that's probably about its break even, um, which is good, I guess. I like you had a lot of people trying to spin its opening weekend numbers as like a giant success for mm. Steven Spielberg, and like not really. I mean, it's it is a movie that has done as well as it needed to to not be a disaster mm-hmm. um, or to not to not be a to not be a flop to not you know yeah. to not be a yeah. money loser and I, I think it'll probably do well on home video but I don't know if people buy home videos anymore so yeah I, I was oh man the numbers on home videos I like I was looking at some of the you know the the sales figures from like you know the top selling blu-rays of 2000 even like 2012 2013 All compared right. to today you should be able to do a second opening weekend i mean it, it, like yeah. it the the it, 80% drops wow like, just nobody buys just nobody, nobody buys home Everyone video anymore streaming. okay uh, all the way down in 10th place was isle of dogs with 4.6 million for a three-week total, but it was only a, a three-week total of 12 million. Uh, but it's only in a handful of theaters. Yeah, it's ex- it's expanding now. Okay, um, you saw it, Sonny. I saw it. JVL, did you see it? Diamond Hard Pass. Wow. Well, I saw it. So three of us saw it. Oh, yay! Get out of get out of chair, Vic. Isle of Dogs is about a boy in Japan who flies a plane, zeroing in on an island landfill to look for his canine spot. Talk about a suicide mission. But seriously, this is no shaggy dog story. The boy is hounded by his uncle, who had kept him on a short leash. Luckily, the kid is joined by a group of dogs roving the countryside looking for his best friend. It's a sort of stop-motion style Saving Private Ryan, or a doggy style Saving Private Ryan, really. (laughs) Speaking of which, there's a come-from-behind ending that will give you pause. I give Isle of Dogs four stars. You're going to lap it up. Okay. Bye, Gene. Bye. You know what? This is funny. Now bit. that now that he's gone, thank you. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, I I like to think that I know you pretty well, and that I can often see your moves coming. I was taken entirely by surprise with that. <laughs> okay. I I never imagined you'd you never go there. Go there? I, I I tried every which way to get that in there. Um, actual Gene That's review, by the way. Yes, an actual Gene Gene review. It reminded me of. Uh, when Gene Shalit reviewed Bruce Almighty, right, and there was this dog, and there's a very well trained dog that does these different things, like it learns to pee in the bathroom, the whole thing. 
Shallot loved that so much that in the review he says, give that dog an Oscar, Meyer. <laughs> he literally said that. He literally said that. So uh, I love the guy. Uh, Sonny, how about a big boy review? Uh... Well, I, I saw it like a month ago now, so it's like it's kind of it's kind of dimmed in my memory. Uh, Just try, but it is it's it is a Wes Anderson movie, and if you like Wes Anderson movies, you will like this movie. I am a big Wes Anderson fan. I like his whole symmetrical style, and you know, kind of twee verbiage, and and you know, uh, obsessively constructed scenes um scene dressings and that sort of thing i I, look here so the movie is about uh as gene said uh, it's about a a boy who wants to find his dog uh who has been exiled to an isle of trash the evil mayor kobayashi has exiled all dogs from the kingdom of Nagasaki. Uh, Kobayashi is the real hero. Yeah, we, well, we, no, but this is, this is why I wanted exactly. you to see it. This is why I wanted you to see it because you would have constructed the perfect Kobayashi is the real hero of Isle of Dogs. Um, uh, and... Uh, anyway, it's it, it is it is about the dogs trying to figure out how to get home to their masters, and it's about uh, kids who want to be reunited with their dogs. It's very cute and loving, and all that, but it's also very adult and very uh, and very kind of stylish and doggy stylish, doggy stylish. And if you if you if you again if you like the Wes Anderson thing, but specifically if you like the um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is a is, I love, I think is great, uh, and. Um, I, I love the whole stop motion aesthetic. I just, I like find myself kind of losing, losing myself in the screen, watching every shot and imagining, oh my God, it must've taken like literally 10 hours to do that. Like six seconds of animation. It's pleasing to the eyes. It's pleasing to the eyes. And it's, it's, it's amusingly complicated. Uh, this is a deeply problematic film, uh, as it, as it, as it appropriates so much Japanese culture. Uh, but that just improved the experience for me the reactionary that I am. Uh, and uh, I loved it. I loved it. I, I hope a lot of people go see it when it opens wider. Um, yeah. So that, that's... that's. Uh, I hope you don't mind if uh, we can just take a short break if that suits you. Speaking of suits, the Black Tux is the easy way for guys to rent suits and tuxedos online. If you haven't checked out the Black Tux in a while, you've missed out on a lot. They've got new complete looks and suit essentials for all of your upcoming spring events and weddings. The Black Tux makes stepping up your style for a wedding or special event easier than ever before, so you can make sure you look as great as your date. Our Free Beacon intern, Graham Pirro, was just wearing his Black Tux for uh, the dip ball. You know, the diplomatic ball, JVL, the highlight of any Georgetown student's time on the hill. Top, uh, mm. It's like the Yule Ball in Harry Potter. I'm crying. I'm sorry. Whether you're going for a stylist-selected outfit or building a custom look, the Black Tux has tons of new suits and tuxedos to choose from for your big spring events. The Black Tux is always changing up their looks, making it fun to try out different suits and tuxedos. Even if you have your own suit, switching it up with the Black Tux is always a great idea. And with their new fit algorithm, you don't have to awkwardly measure yourself or ask a friend for help like, Sonny, can you help me with my inseam? If only you had the Facebook video to see that face. <laughs> if you ask a colleague at the office to help you measure your inseam, is that problematic? No, not at all. The Black Tux it does it for you. Colleague. Yes, thank God. The Black Tux does it for you. Plus, the Black Tux free home try-on lets you see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before your event. After ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event. And remember how simple returns are. Wear it. Turn heads. Then send it back three days after your event. Shipping is free both ways. Standing out at your event for the right reasons with the Black Tux. To get $20 off your purchase, visit theblacktux.com slash substandard. That's theblacktux.com slash substandard for $20 off your purchase. The Black Tux... Premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. JBL, you did not see the movie, uh, and I understand that. But can I ask a question? Sure. Question: Was the hesitance solely dog related? No. Mm. Second question: Why do you hate good things like Wes Anderson? <laughs> so I I, I spent a Anderson. lot of time thinking about this because I don't know that I, I I would not say that I hate Wes Anderson 
because I view The Royal Tenenbaums as a perfect movie and one of my top 10 movies perhaps ever. Certainly in the last 20 years, but I could maybe go ever. Uh, I love that movie like I can't even tell you. It's so great. But unlike many directors, like he, so Wes Anderson has one speed, basically, mm-hmm. which is twee. Mm-hmm. And he perfected it. Mm-hmm. And if that's all you've got and you've done the perfect thing, there is no improving upon that. Everything else he does is a less good version of the Royal Tenenbaums. So why bother with them? I mean, isn't that like Steven Spielberg has different stories to tell, different styles, you could say. I mean, Stanley Kubrick had different things going on. This is a... So this is not to say I, I hate him, mm-hmm. but every I view every other Wes Anderson movie I've ever seen as a disappointment because mm-hmm. the Royal Tenenbaums is perfect. Now, maybe that's not fair to him. Maybe that's the wrong way of looking at it. And I understand there are different people who disagree, and I, there are Steve Hayes is a bottle rocket uh, partisan. Steve Hayes... Is Matt Labash is a Rushmore partisan. Steve Hayes I understand needs to that. stay in his lane. That's what that's what the kids say <laughs> about he he sticks yeah, to he sticks to things he knows yeah. like politics. Yeah. And, yeah. No, I don't know. There's no, no, anybody I, who would say the life aqua- is a life aquatic partisan. Uh, oh, my wife. Things to my like wife. Is, she, is, she, her know? favorite is the life aquatic because she loves the David Bowie songs in Portuguese, which are great. I have which them are on great. My, have them yeah. on my phone. Uh, so here's uh, here. I, I, I understand I, I understand and like largely agree with what you have said that Rushmore is uh, or uh, Royal Tenenbaums is basically a perfect movie and that it is the perfect encapsulation of his like kind of twee sensibility and style and all that. But more than that, I don't mean to reduce it to just mm-hmm. like it's perfect mm-hmm. twee. I mean mm-hmm. it is perfect. It is a perfect yeah, character it's a great, piece. It's a perfect a great, play. Yes. A perfect yeah. story. Perfect ideas. Everything about it yeah. is is great. Uh, I, I my my big my big. Uh, oh, uh, Wes Anderson thought is one that I'm cribbing from somebody else, maybe even you, which is that once he stopped writing with Owen Wilson, his his career yep. uh, kind of kind of. It, so if you look at his if you look back at his career, uh, his first three movies, Bottle Rocket, uh, Rushmore, and Royal Tenenbaums were all co-written with yep. uh, Owen Wilson. That was me. Owen Wilson uh, is a vastly underrated writer. And probably a vastly underrated actor as well. He's a vastly underrated. He's everything. just he's just vastly underrated. Um, and uh, after he stopped working with Owen Wilson, I think he kind of got trapped in his own head a little bit. So in, through the rest of his body of work, he's largely working with Roman Coppola and some some Jason Schwartzman in there as well. Is that Sophia's but, brother? Yes, yes, I believe so. Yep. As is um, Jason Schwartzman or no? No, Jason Schwartzman's a cousin. He's a Coppola. Schwartzman is a Coppola. He's just kind of on the. He's like Nick Cage. He's the yes. he's, right. Um, uh, I will say I do think that his last two movies, Grand Budapest Hotel and Isle of Dogs, are very interesting for the ways in which they take the kind of twee uh, sensibility and style. And have uh, uh, I, I forget who said this? Maybe it was Armand White. Maybe it was somebody else. But uh, they 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 basically described the Grand Budapest Hotel as Wes Anderson discovers evil, which is like a very which is actually a very kind of interesting and provocative way of putting the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is a fascinating movie about essentially Nazism. It's like Nazis come to Wes Andersonville. Mm-hmm. And it is it is fascinating and it is really, it's really a terrific movie. I love it. I, I think it's actually great. Um, I don't think it's as good as uh, the Royal Tenenbaums because that is again a perfect movie, but this is it's very good. And I Love Dogs is kind of in that same in that same vein. I mean, I, if if Grand Budapest Hotel is about the beginning of World War II and the rise of fascism and how people who just want to go along to get along kind of get wrapped up in that, uh, Isle of Dogs is very much about genocide. I mean, it is literally about a concentration camp, just one filled with dogs and and extermination. I mean, it is this is this is kind of the logical endpoint of where he started at Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, so a, a, I understand what you're saying. Wes Anderson's Shoah. Basically, yes. <laughs> Which is with all, with but everything with that dogs. Right, no, I mean, I, like, he, he, he. Are it's they the clay? Well, they're stop motion. Stop motion. Yeah. Right. I wonder what they are. 
not claymation. It's not, you know. You know what I'm saying. Whatever. Yeah, yes. uh, but I, I do think, so I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Have you seen Grand Budapest Hotel? I have not. You should. Oh, you should. You should. It's great. It's great. It's great. I checked it's out after really... Moonrise Kingdom. That, that's when Moonrise, I decided. Well, Moonrise Kingdom, I, have... I think, is his worst movie. And mm-hmm. I have a, a lot of people feel that way. Here of his. No, a lot of people Please. don't feel that way. Is that right? No, people love Somebody it. Somebody on Kingdom Twitter mentioned that Moonrise Kingdom, Moonrise Kingdom Moon... came up on our tweets. Moonrise Kingdom. Is ninety six percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. It was a, it was a box office success. People love that movie, and I despise it. I think it is Spice. like when 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 people say that Wes Anderson is playing with dollhouses, mm-hmm. and when they say he is when he, they say he is like just a he's just a finicky stylist who has nothing. Uh, underneath the surface, Moonrise Kingdom is the movie that that the uh, that, 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 that it is it is it, it is a parody of Wes Anderson made by Wes Anderson. I mean, it is like it is a I I hate that movie and I think it is I think it was bad for him and I'm glad that he got away from that sort of mm-hmm. thing. I'm glad he mm-hmm. I'm glad he has moved off and it also squicks me out. It like it like the whole relationship between the two kids and that Ooh, weird like precocious dancing leader. in their underwear on yeah. the beach. I was like, this is like gross pedo stuff. I don't mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not cool with this. Mm. But like. Uh, but the the. Uh, but I think um, he has recovered since then. I think Grand Budapest Hotel is great. I think Isle of Dogs is great. And I. I am. Uh, I am very curious to see what he does next. I. I. Again, I don't want to come across as anti-Anderson because I am not. But this is a guy who has, over the course of 24 years, directed nine movies. An incredibly anemic output. Uh, I mean, when you look at his IMDb page, his credits are padded out with things like his American Express commercial, which is a two-minute. I saw that at the IMDb. It came up and there. Yeah. I gotta say, I so I remember the American Express commercial fondly. I went back and I rewatched it because it's two minutes and twenty seconds, and I was able to find that time. Uh, it almost I found that so off-putting. Uh, I did not see it as gentle parody of oneself. It, it almost suggested to me that this is a guy who made a great movie almost by accident because he's so wrapped up in his own like psychoses about filmmaking that he's making choices not with intent and deliberation but just to make those choices because that's his thing yeah I don't I don't think he does self-parody I don't think I think he is I think he is self-aware to an extent but I don't think he does self-parody I think he this is just what he is um I, do, what do we yeah. think about that? Uh, no, I mean, are you, yeah. Mm. Stanley Kubrick would not have made that American mm-hmm. Express commercial. Sure. Stanley Kubrick would not have made that American Express commercial, but he commercial. also made, he also made like six different genres of Stanley Kubrick films mm. right. that are all very explicitly Stanley Kubrick films. Right. And like, uh, I mean, I well, I, I I'm not. I mean, it it will it will be interesting to see if if Wes Anderson ever does make a horror film like the 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 actual parody the the SNL, uh, the SNL oh, yeah. where Edward That's Norton great. is starring in what is a coterie of midnight intruders, mm-hmm. a Wes Anderson <laughs> horror film, uh, which is very which is very funny great. and like perfect Spot and like, uh, um, but but I don't I yeah. You know. I really I, it doesn't bother me that it doesn't bother me that much because I like the thing that he's yes. doing so. Uh, I, I think you should see Grand Budapest Hotel. I liked it a lot, and uh, and my wife liked it. You know, she lived a year in Slovakia. I, I lived a year in Vienna. I thought it captured the essence of Central Europe, Eastern Europe so well. I mean, the feel of it as a very distinct, not Western European, but rather a Central Eastern European feel um, of, of the, of, of, although I think they did film it in an abandoned German department store. But it just has that feel. I thought it was. I thought it was excellent. And it was ter- Ray Fiennes is just great. So, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. Has has this stuff evolved though? I mean, if you watch, I haven't seen Bottle Rocket. I mean, is it the same tweet? Is it the same thing? Or is it just continue to get more and more? Then you get Rushmore, and then he hits, as you would say, JVL is apex sort of with Tenenbaums. Bottle Rocket is a much more fast and loose improvisational kind of thing. I mean, you get the sense, I don't know if it was improvised or not, but... You get the sense it, it was made it's quickly. Me- quickly and quickly so and meandering, yeah. certainly not written particularly mm-hmm. sharply. Uh, it has some great lines, but it is not right. tight. No, it is not a tight mm-hmm. thing. I, mm-hmm. I actually, which is which is interesting because it's only about mm, it's a short movie, and you yeah, could cut another yeah. thirty minutes out of it easily. Well, the whole second act. Well, it, that movie has an interesting story. I mean, it was originally it was a, a short Sundance right. short. Yeah. The first act of Bottle Rocket was basically a Sundance short. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and Sundance accepted it and he received much praise and got money to make a full film and basically took the short and then added two more acts. And when he submitted the full length feature from Sundance. to Sundance, it was rejected, uh, which is which is very which is very interesting. Uh, but it is it is it is a movie that has grown in stature. I know it is it is Martin Scorsese's favorite uh, Wes Anderson film. Really. That's okay. very interesting, uh, but it is. But it, I, it is not mine, and I think it's. I think it. I don't. I don't think it works because I think that whole second act kind of just mm-hmm. where it goes off the rails. Um, so, in, if I could just briefly, as a single tiny example of, I talked to. I, I said intentionality. This is you know, is he just doing right. things to be Wes Anderson, or is he doing them with intention? One of the things I love about Royal Tenenbaums is that I believe in that movie, whether by accident or forethought. Uh, all of those little things actually bear on the character. So to take one tiny miniature example, uh, towards the opening of the film, mm-hmm. when Royal Tenenbaum is sitting with his three children to tell them that he is separating from his wife and is leaving the house. As he is doing this, Pagoda, his servant, brings him a martini. That's not just like a weird tweet thing. Like it tells you quite a lot about Royal. Like it is, it is a it is a character revealing thing where we are being shown and not told, and it's it's a Wes Anderson thing, but it's also done in service of character and story, and so it's great. Mm-hmm. Royal Tenenbaums is filled with mm-hmm. stuff like that in a way that many of his other movies feel like they are simply stuffed to because hey, I'm creating my aesthetic. No, I think that's no, I think that's fair. I mean, I I do think that's fair. Again, I really I, I cannot stress enough that you should see Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, it's, I'll do that. Please. Yeah, right now, right after I watch King of Thrones, Game of Thrones, <coughs> and uh, Stranger Things, it's, I'm It's under two Grand. hours. It's like an hour, 50 yeah. minutes. Do the movie. Um, I believe you and I might have seen Mount Rushmore. To, Mount Rushmore, excuse we, me. We 100% did. <laughs> and I think well, we may have seen Tenenbaums, and I know we I saw Life Aquatic together. I didn't see that with together. you. No, I didn't see that either. We totally did. It was a screener. We went together. I, to I, I've never seen we Life Aquatic. We were both Aquatic. so excited. You... Oh, uh, I don't remember much from the theater. Is that what you're going to yeah, say? Is that what you're now. hinting? No, it was is, we were both dark. super excited. We saying? went together. I can even I tell you which one we saw. We saw the Cineplex no, Odeon no, up on no, Wisconsin no. Avenue. The one near the McDonald's flagship. Yeah. Uh, no, I've never seen Life Aquatic. You 100% did. You walked out. <laughs> Why don't I have memory? What, one thing we can, I think, very fairly give Wes Anderson credit for is the Murisance. Yes. So the Murisance, oh, yeah. truthfully, yeah, yeah, absolutely. begins with wild things. Bill Murray has a yes. tiny okay. part yeah, that's as, right. as the, the lawyer. lawier, and yeah. he's great. It's okay. a little thing, but he's fantastic in it. But then he gets the Rushmore part, and then Royal Tenenbaums, and then Life Aquatic, and from there it's oh, off to the races. Well, the Austin translation into, was yeah, yeah. between Life Aquatic that's and right. this rebirth. Royal Tenenbaums, right? It's part of the mm-hmm. rebirth. But yeah, but it's all, it's all part uh, of that. Yeah, yeah. Let me, I'll look that. I don't think that's true, actually. Uh, was Lost in Royal, Translation after? Lost in Translation is after Royal Tenenbaums. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm saying between Royal Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic. That's right. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. I can't imagine, Sonny, and you mentioned this earlier in your review, that um, Isle of Dogs is really that problematic because of the appropriating. He has a lot of Japanese voices. Uh, people. That's not uh, enough. Uh, that's not enough. Fix. Ken Watanabe. Fix. Ken Watanabe. I I, look, I'm sorry. This voice see, now that's, see oh. this is problematic, too. <laughs> what, what, this is voice? very, very oh. problematic. You're lucky you're Filipino. <laughs> Let them fight. Uh, the, victims, the victims of of, of the co prosperity oh, yeah. sphere are allowed to make jokes. Uh, <laughs> Ken Watanabe is such yeah. a movie star. He's great. He's great. I love that guy. Great. Uh, all right, so okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna Give I've us got a lists. Go. I've go, got go. lists. Love it. Ranking Wes Anderson movies. Perfect. Nine. I'm gonna go from from worst to best. Moonrise Kingdom. Mm. Then Bottle Rocket. Then The Darjeeling Limited. Mm-hmm. Then The Life Aquatic. Then Fantastic Mr. Fox. Then Grand Budapest Hotel. Then Isle of Dogs. Then Rushmore, then Royal Tenenbaums, number one. That's good. Wes Anderson movies ranked. That's good. Second ranking, two ranking, bonus ranking, two oh, ranking, bonus ranking. Wes Anderson regulars ranked. Oh, oh, because he has a like Chris Guest. Oh. He's got he's got a coterie he's of midnight intruders. He's got a coterie. Uh, uh, number four. I'm just doing four. Okay. Four. Willem Dafoe. Oh yes. Great in Life Aquatic. Grand Budapest. Great, Hotel. great in Grand Budapest, and great as the the rat in Mr. Fox. Yes. Uh, number three, Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson, his first three film only in his first three mm-hmm. films, mm-hmm. Uh, but but perfect in all those all those roles. And like, really, it is it is. I've always thought it was a shame that Luke Wilson never became a bigger star. No, we've talked about this before, but uh, it what is, are you talking about? He's in old school. That is immortality. That is screen immortality. Agree. Because old school is, if I could just briefly digress, the great comedy of our time. I can live with that. I can live with right? that. Right. Yes. Sure. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Can, 
Okay. I would go with maybe, maybe the Hangover, but I funny, they work I, in a very similar similar uh, vein. Todd right? Phillips, I think, is like the great underrated comedic filmmaker of our time. Hundred percent, yes. But uh, this is a this is a discussion for another day. Number two, Bill Murray. I'm gonna go. I'm putting Bill Murray at number two. I'm wondering who number one is I because think number of one, one of two people. number one no, is Owen Wilson. One, Owen Wilson, obviously. I mean, from both from an acting and a writing perspective, it is Owen Wilson. I would also, if you had more than four, Jeff Goldblum. Sure. He's great. Yeah, sure. His voice he's is only, so unmistakable. He's only done two. Was he, he did in, Grand was he Budapest. In, he's Grand Budapest and, he, and a, I Love Dogs. A, but was he also in The Life Aquatic? I think he, he might, might have been. Have been. Yeah. yeah. No. And of course, and, uh, and let's not forget Bob Balaban, who keeps on popping up, Bob who is also a Chris <laughs> Guest regular. Yeah. So he's fantastic. So anyway, that's, that's all okay. I got. Wonderful. I was always a little JBL. disappointed that Gwyneth Paltrow didn't become a regular. Yeah. In it because her uh, Margaret the Parker Posey is the Parker Posey of uh, Wes Anderson movies. Her Margaret Tenenbaum is one of my favorite acting little bits ever. Anywhere she plays, it's so dead eyed, yeah. but funny. God, she can be funny. I know people hate Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, I've never understood. Oh, I guess I understand it, but I've always thought it was silly. They hate her. It's because of the goop. It's they the, hate her because they hate her. Gloop. Glob. No, it's not glop. No, glop is it. It's goop. goop. They hate her because of goop, goop. I think. Yeah. Goop. Well, no, that's. I mean, yeah. she's a ridiculous it's person. totally detached. As a person, she may completely be. detached. But she's a great actress. She's totally. a tremendous she's actress. Yeah. And yeah. she's fantastic. She's and I and I believe I love her our friend is. John Podhortz babysat her when she was a baby. Used to change her diapers. As is that redundant? Is that redundant? Babysat her when she was a baby. Well, no, because you can babysit a child. That's true. No, yeah, she was baby. She was baby. Yeah, no, he babysat her when she was actually. I have to say. Having had babies, mm-hmm. I cannot imagine trusting a baby to somebody who wasn't a parent already because they are so terrifying and there is so much that has to be done with a baby. Mm-hmm. I, it just speaks to John's innate goodness. This is why babies love mm-hmm. him. Right? Mm-hmm. Small children, my my kid, my 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 youngest kid, I have told you this before. Whenever the commentary podcast oh, comes on, he, loves. he just vibrates he loves. with excitement and he starts shouting, John, it's John, 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 John. And then when Noah Rothman comes on, he cries. <laughs> Whenever Noah talks. That's insane. Like, yeah. That's so insane. So I, I put the sub standard on for him last week when we were no. driving somewhere, yeah. and he liked you. He cried with you, yes. Sonny. Yes. And when I came gene. on. How about Gene? When I came on to talk, mm-hmm. he said, Daddy, John, John, John. He wanted to change the channel, Daddy. There you I, go. I, don't, I get enough of you. you Give go. me J-Pod. Fair. There Fair. you go. Wonderful. Good taste. Okay. Moving on. All right. Corrections, additions. Um, I have one, which is our friend Flag Taylor uh, asks, "Is it me, or is Victorino Mattis's normal podcast voice slowly be surely keep becoming more gene-like, or is the wish father to the thought of this case?" Thanks for thanks, Flag, for flagging that. I don't know what he's talking about. No. You tried to do the Gene voice on the Free Beacon. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Sonny. By the way, uh, I don't on, know. You got onto the, he, how dare he you? He had to fill in for Natalie Johnson. You got it was a real show? downgrade. It. it was a real down. By the way, everyone should listen to the Free Beacon oh, yes. podcast. So we, we love it. Aaron we, Harris, we were Matt told, Continetti, we were told to flack this. Natalie Johnson. Uh, you really should listen. It's to a great it. it's cast. Fantastic. But everyone, right and writer from the right, Matthew Continetti, and to and his from right, the first, to his <laughs> right. It's so it's a great show because you you really don't know what you're going to get each episode. You it's really crazy. Uh, anyway, everyone should everyone should listen to it. It's it is politics. It is not. Culture, but there is a lot of culture. It's like a lot. It's good mix of oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, it's wonderful. I think, uh, anyway, and sorry. a great producer, isn't it? Isn't free it great, ad, great free pro- ad for the, yeah. Well, the producer, when he I, honestly, they take or leave him. It's, but it's a thankless job for that producer. Question? So, yeah. how do you decide who's going to be on the? It's always the same. Show. Almost always. I mean, it, I just had the sub. We. It's always. It's always Liz hosts right. Matt uh, to to her right, uh, Aaron Harrison to his right, and then Goldfarb when he's there. And then the Natalie segment, she she just sits in the room. She comes in. Okay. A, but I love Liz's deadpan. It's really yeah, it's her 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 question her question transitions are very good. Like the you know. Anyway, everyone should listen. It's good. Uh, yeah, I, if I ever need somebody a, to fill in, I would be happy to come uh, on that show. No, Just to do, I want to be. I want to uh, do a wrestling segment uh, with Aaron. I want me and Harrison to do a wrestling segment. Uh, well, I'll, t- I'll bring it up to the committee. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's all the time we're giving uh, to this episode. Cut his uh, mic. <laughs> questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at Victorina Mattis at Sunny Bunch. At JV Last, who oh, has now 100,000 followers, 100, I think. 100,000? Is that yes. how many followers? Oh I forgot how much you love Twitter. 
again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just type in Substandard on a podcast. We're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Until next time. <laughs>